and welcome to mini episode 206 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And I have three spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from the 13th of September 2022. And story number one comes from Ollie. And I believe Ollie has written in before in the story where they said they were omnitheist. So let's get into it. So I'm now aware that there are at least three entities in my house. My late twin, some sort of masculine parental sibling-like being, either my late grandfather on my dad's side or one of the children that my mom miscarried before she had me, and a little girl outside of my brother's room. And I shit you not, I've heard her say, Mama? Mama? And hi, before. I also would like to mention that last night while I was crafting, I got the feeling that I needed to move away from my window and the words silver bullets went through my head. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but my late great-grandmother was Native American, so that also makes me partially Native American. And yes, I do believe in all of the lore, and of course those tall animal-like creatures that I refuse to name. I believe that one of them was at my fucking house last night and I swore it away. But also something that happened within the past month was that whenever my parents would drag me to church, I would sense people who have died. Like I know there was a girl who was standing on the catwalk that controls the lights, but sadly I also knew she was dead. I also knew of a young boy who had died, but today he interacted with me. He held my hand all service. I was sobbing from the amount of energy that he gave. He was at the most five years old, and I could feel his parents' emotions and I prayed to anything that would listen to me for him to be safe and brought home. As I've said countless times in this podcast, I would not like to be one of those people who has abilities, you know, to be able to sense things or feel things or see things or hear things. I'm not down for it. And Ollie, I'm going to be really annoying and I'm going to be really patronising for a brief moment because I am very aware that you are quite young. I think you're like 14, 15 maybe. Uh, I just want to say that please look after yourself. Make sure that you talk to the people around you about the things that you're experiencing so you're not experiencing them all on your own and that you have somebody to confide in because much and all as I love that the podcast Real Life Ghost Stories, I mean, is conversational. It also is, you know, it's a bit it's a bit one-sided. I don't really get to respond outside of responding within episodes. So just make sure that you're looking after yourself. And that goes for anybody, I think, who lives a life where they are experiencing things maybe that are outside the realms of what is considered normal. It must be exhausting. And story number two comes from Samantha. We bought our current home when our eldest daughter was one years old. Even though it is a four-bedroom home, she would sleep with us in our room until our son was born the next year. I finally decided it was time that she slept in her own room. Once she got used to sleeping on her own, all was well. Until it wasn't. She started waking up crying at night. Not abnormal. I would go and lay down next to her until she went back to sleep. One night, she woke up screaming louder than usual. I asked her if she was okay. I have to mention here that although she was only two, she was very articulate. After she calmed down, she told me why she was upset. It was the doorman. She did not know what a doorman was at this age. I asked my daughter to tell me about the doorman. She pointed to her closet and said, He lives in there. Sometimes he's by my bed or up here, pointing above her bed. It was disturbing enough that she had just told me that something was living in her closet, then she started to describe him. He talks to me, 
but he has no mouth and he has no feet. He doesn't touch the ground. He has red eyes and black hair like mommy. Horrified, I promptly picked up my daughter and brought her to my room, telling myself that she had had an awful nightmare. I told my husband about the doorman and he said it was nothing more than a two-year-old's imagination. We put her back into her room the next night and she woke up screaming claiming the doorman was scaring her. This happened several more times. My husband said she was using it as an excuse to sleep in our bed again. I just couldn't shake the feeling that she truly believed what she was saying. Finally, one night, when she had woken up crying, I picked her up, turned around to the closet and demanded that whatever was living in her closet leave immediately. I prayed for protection and peace. And just like that, everything went back to normal. She started sleeping through the night and never mentioned the doorman again. Eventually, my daughter moved to another bedroom and my son was moved into her old room. He was a fantastic sleeper, rarely woke up at night. At around two years old, he started to wake up crying in the night. I would lay with him like I did with his sister until he went back to sleep. Then the screaming started. One night he was having a hard time calming down and going back to sleep. I asked him what was wrong. My son was a little harder to understand than his sister was at two years old. He said something that I couldn't understand, but each time I asked him, he repeated the same word. He obviously knew what he was saying. I asked him to tell me about it, and he said, he wants me to go with him. I asked him where he was, and to my horror, he turned his head and looked at the closet. I asked him what he looked like, and he said some things I couldn't really understand, but what he said next made my blood run cold. Red eyes and black hair like mommy. He slept with us for the next few nights. My husband, still sceptical as ever, said I led him to those conclusions. I prayed in the room again, demanded it leave our home, and the feeling in the room shifted, it felt lighter. My son never mentioned it again. Three years later, he still sleeps in that room. All has been fine for the most part, no mention of the doorman or the like. However, about six months ago, he was screaming for me like I had never heard before. I ran to his room to find my five-year-old son cowering in the corner of his bed, hands raised over his head, his whole body shaking. Terrified of something I could not see, I whisked him up and brought him to the living room where he continued to scream for his mama. I kept saying, I'm here, you're safe. He looked directly at me, stared in horror as if he had never seen my face before and pushed himself out of my arms, screaming, I want my mommy. I've never felt so helpless. He was in a dreamlike state, terrified and I couldn't comfort him because he didn't recognise me. This has gone on for six months now. Not as frequent as it was, but still just as terrifying. I would classify these as night terrors because he never remembers what he saw or dreamt just that he felt scared. I'm welcoming any tips or tricks to help with that. My youngest turns two in a few months, and I'm praying that our new house will be done before then so we can leave this place. For whatever reason, two years old seems to be the time for red eyes and black hair like mommy. Oh no, stop. You will have to keep us updated on this one, Samantha, because I want to know if your two-year-old start seeing the doorman I want to know I know it's not good for you I know it's not it's not you know entertaining for you 
but it's entertaining for the listeners, you know. That is terrifying though. And I mean, the first time around, pretty terrifying with your daughter saying it was the doorman, describing him as having no mouth, but he's able to talk. He doesn't touch the ground, like all those terrifying things. But then of course, you can put it down to a two-year-old's imagination. Of course you can. You can say, oh, they're having nightmares or whatever. But for the next child to have the same experience, that's very weird. And stories like this make me think, That because of the sheer volume of stories we get about kids who see things, whatever those things are, whether they're good, bad or indifferent, are there times when kids, say, for example, these these two children are obviously seeing something that's in their closet, right? Or that's what we're speculating, that they're seeing something that's in their closet. Are they seeing things regularly? But things because they don't scare them, they don't really comment on them or we just don't know they're seeing them because there's no need for them to comment on them at that particular time. Like, are they seeing things all the time? Does it happen to all children? And of course, it's only really when things scare them or things are different or new to them that they'll talk about it. So does it happen to all children or just some children? Cue us all looking at children very suspiciously from now on and always wondering, what are you looking at? And just also on the point of night terrors, I have no tips or tricks as somebody who doesn't have any children. However, I would ask that if anybody is in the Facebook group who has children with night terrors or who has experienced night terrors, please pop your tips and tricks in there. And if you want to join the Facebook group, it is RLGS Supergroup on Facebook and there might be some interesting or useful advice in there for you. And story number three comes from Millie. My nan died at 10.15am on the 21st of October in 2016. She was my absolute favourite person and her death devastated me. She was quite literally the glue that held my mum's side of the family together. And since she has died, it has just been a shit show of fighting, betrayal and falling out between family members. In a way, I lost more than just my nan that day. Nan had been sick for a long time. She had open heart surgery in 2000 and struggled with many other health conditions after that. Even though she was so sick, in my eyes she was going to live forever. In the last few months of her life her health deteriorated quickly. The last week or so she was on the highest dose of morphine and wasn't conscious. The weeks before my nan died were incredibly hard. She was in an enormous amount of pain and it was really quite traumatising to see her in that state. While she was still in the hospital, and again when she moved to the nursing home, she continued to mention that her son was waiting for her. Her son, my uncle, died before my mum was born when he was only 14 months old. She also spoke about seeing her parents waiting for her as well. It was devastating to know that she was at the end of her life, but in a way, it was nice to know that she had family waiting for her on the other side. In the days before my nan's death, My mum and I went to see a family friend who was a psychic. Mum had a private conversation with her and while I don't know for sure what they talked about, I'm sure my mum was asking how long my nan had left. We finished up and headed back to the car. I reached for the door handle of the driver's side door and it opened slightly before meeting resistance. I thought this was odd but tried again and could not get the door to open more than a couple of centimetres. By this point, my mum was asking why I hadn't gotten into the car yet, and I told her that I couldn't open the door. Mum had a look at the door from the inside of the car and couldn't see anything it was caught on, so we were at a loss as to why it wouldn't open. It was the craziest thing, 
but it dead set felt as if someone was inside the car holding the door closed with all their strength. Only there was no one there. Mum even came around and tried to open the door as well but couldn't get it to budge either and we were yanking on that thing with all of our strength. After about 10 minutes the door just opened without resistance as if nothing had happened. I owned that car for a few years and I had never had anything like this happen before or since. I don't know who didn't want us in the car that day, but I'm sure they must have had a reason. The day my nan died, my mum and I were staying at my uncle's place. I was in the office chatting to my mum while she browsed Facebook on the computer. The door to the office was closed and it was a calm day outside. Mum and I were mid-conversation when the office door opened with such force that it scared the crap out of me. I hopped up and checked the house to see if someone had come home, but it was just us in the house. We thought it was weird but kept going with what we were doing. About 10 minutes later we got the call that Nan had passed away. Her official time of death was 10.15am and it was pretty bang on when the door opened at my uncle's house. I'd like to think that it was her coming to visit us. That night I stayed at my uncle's again with my mum and the room we were in had a thing on the wall which had a small green light that would blink when motion was detected. The whole night that small green light would keep coming on even though my mum and I were laying still in bed. Safe to say I didn't get much sleep that night. I haven't experienced much more since this. However, sometimes when I am on long drives by myself, I will get the feeling that someone is gently holding onto my elbow, even though no one is there. I didn't think much of it at first until it kept happening, so I told my mum. She told me that she gets the same feeling when in the car alone. It definitely could be just our minds making it up, but I find it comforting to think that my nan might be keeping us company. I haven't experienced anything, including the car elbow hold, since my pop died in 2020. I hope this means they're together, with their son, wherever it is we go after we die. Oh, I have to say that last line has done something to me. It's made me very emotional. I hope that's, considering you haven't experienced anything since your pop died, I hope it does mean they are together. And just to say as well, people ask me all the time if I get emotional about stories. Uh, I just had to pause recording there to give myself a little bit of time to get myself together because that last line has made me very happy. Like, nice, emotional, happy emotional, you know, to think that they're together with their son after all that time. That's a lovely thought. And it's like I always say, if you get comfort from those things that are happening, if you feel like that is your grandmother, then it is your grandmother. That's what's important. And I hope that while those things happening gave you some comfort at the time, that them also not happening brings you lots of comfort too. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Ollie, Samantha and Millie for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from 13th of September 2022. If you would like to send in your story, you can email it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for extra content, you can sign up to patreon.com forward slash reallifeghoststories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad-free. And on that note, I shall see you next time. 